0: Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, and I have not gotten a chance to meet all of you, because there's so many new people. Let me just do this. If you're here today supporting one of the families, can you just clap so we know that you're Wow. Incredible. Thank you so much for coming here today. So as Adam was saying, we are doing baby dedications today, which if you have never seen baby dedication here at this church, I'm just going to say something we do it better than any other church in the world. Okay. I'm just, you know, we just, we just do it well. It's one of those things that we really, it's a special, special time. So I'm so glad that you get to be a part of it for yourself and for these families. So since we are doing baby dedication today, I thought it might be smart to sort of dedicate the entire day to the kids and and our role as parents or as adults in their life. Now, you might be here today, and you might not have kids, and you might want to check out because of that, but you don't need to, because I don't have kids yet, okay? But, but we all have influence in the life of a child, whether you're an aunt or an uncle, a neighbor or a friend. Every single one of us has some child that is in our life that we have some influence in, and that's what today's about. Today, I just want to talk about what that influence looks like. And what it begins to look like when we, we start getting a little bit more strategic and intentional about the things that we're doing. So when it comes to parents, there is one sort of thing, I'll, I'll use the word thing, this week we're trying to figure out, like, is it an element? Is it a concept? It's a thing. Okay, there's, there's one thing that looms large in the life of a parent. It is this powerful, sort of seemingly unstoppable force that they contend with constantly, and that is time. Now, when you have a brand new baby, and many of you have brand new babies, and they are here today, and I'm sure they're going to make a lot of noise soon, but when you have a brand new baby, okay, you ain't got no time for anything, right? You have no time for anything. My best friend, Erica, she just had a baby boy. His name is Miller. He's like three weeks old. I was FaceTiming with them yesterday. She's got no time for anything, okay? I texted her on Monday. She didn't respond till Friday. What are you doing with it? Oh, I know what she's doing. There's puke and poop and crying. and, And so it's a whole thing, but I'm sure it's a joy. Oh, so when you've got a brand new kid, you just, you have, you've got no time for anything or anybody else. Okay. It's just all about that kid. But as your kid grows older, your relationship with time as a parent begins to change a little bit because all of a sudden time flies. I mean, one day your kid was born and the next day they're going off to college which is why today is all about time and how we as parents or we as adults can begin to leverage time for the benefit of our child. Now, whenever we do baby dedication, and if you've been here before, you've seen this, we always give parents a jar of marbles. Now, inside this jar, you will find 936 marbles. Why? I'll just tell you this. This is perhaps the most important number in your life if you are a parent, because there are about 936 weeks in your child's life from the time they are born to the time that they graduate high school. It is this time when your child lives under your roof that you have the most influence in their life. And what we do with our parents when we give them one of these jars is we challenge them each week, remove a marble. Every time a week passes, remove a marble to represent the passage of time. Because it is this sort of visual representation of time passing that can have a profound impact on you as a mom and a dad. Now, this is not a new concept. Measuring time like this is not a new concept. This is something that Moses spoke about thousands of years ago. In Psalm 90, 12, he said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And and what this jar does is it, it, it gives us as adults an important reminder about life. Because we as adults, we lose track of time, don't we? I mean, we get caught up in work, we get caught up in emails, we get caught up in bills, we get caught up in the drama, okay? And, it's like, and what happens is that we forget that time is limited in the life of our child while they're under our roofs. And we have that certain kind of influence in their lives. And what this jar does, or rather I should say what we hope it seeks to do in your life, is to recalibrate how you as parents view time. Because when you see the time you have left you get more serious about the time that you have now. And as you take out a marble, this jar becomes something of a countdown clock. And in any sport, and if you know me, you know how much I love sports, okay, listen. In any sport, when the, when the clock is like running out of time, and I pray for that to happen so I'm gonna stop watching the game, but when the, when the clock is running out of time, what happens? The players, the coaches, they get much more focused on what they're doing. Every minute matters, every second matters, every moment matters when the clock is running out. And so what happens is that each marble reminds you that every week in the life of your child matters. But the jar helps us remember that you can't do it all in a week. So when you see the time you have left, you tend to value what happens over time. And all of a sudden, as a parent, you begin to realize that time is not your enemy. Time's actually your friend. And you can leverage what happens over time for the benefit of your child. So what I wanna do today is I wanna give you six things, these are simple things, six things that you can do over time that'll make a huge difference in the life of a child. Now I'll just say this. I guarantee that you're already doing all of these six things already because you're good parents. My hope is that when you see it in conjunction with the marbles, you'll begin to do the things you're already doing with more intentionality. So the first thing that we need to do over time is hugely important. I mean, honestly, it's the most important one of all. You could be doing all the other five, but if you're not doing this one, you're really not doing any of them at all. The first thing that you need to do over time in the life of your child is love. Do you know how you know that God loves you? Because he showed up in your life. Somewhere along the way, you messed up. Somewhere along the way, you screwed up, you sinned, and God showed up anyway. When you think about scripture, when you think about the Bible, cover to cover, it is really one long story of God showing up and showing up and showing up and continuing to show up in the lives of his people in spite of all they've done. You know the best way to show love to a child? It's over time. Just like God loved us. Just as we see all throughout scripture. And when you love a child over time, it gives them a sense of worth. And when you have a sense of worth, it, it gives that child a sense of value I just firmly believe that the most powerful thing that you can do as a parent or you can do as an adult so a kid knows they are loved, so a kid has a sense of worth, so a kid has a sense of value is to show up. Show up in their life over and over and over again for one reason and one reason only, because your physical presence in their life is priceless which means some of you aren't going to like this. You got to put your phones down and be present with your child. You got you to figure out how to be in the moment rather than trying to capture every moment to show the world. It means you got to put your work down. You got to put your email down and be present in the life of your child. You got to turn the TV off and be present in the life of your child. You got to make it a priority. You got to do whatever you can to get to that dance recital. You got to do whatever you can to get to that game. I'll tell you this. I don't like sports. Made that clear. My parents, when I was growing up, forced me to play two sports a year. You got to play a fall sport and you got to play a spring sport. And so I did. But I can't begin to tell you what it meant when I would look to the sidelines and I saw my mom and my dad cheering me on. I mean, they were more excited about the game than I was, but it meant everything to see that my dad left work early, that my, my he drove all over the place to see me in these games. God knew how important physical presence is. That's why he sent Jesus. I mean, God showed up in physical form to walk with us, to talk with us, so that we could learn from him, that we could lean on him, and he could show us that he loves us. So keep showing up, in the life of your child, because it does something to their soul. The second thing that we want to be intentional about over time is with our words. Now, on average, and this is amazing, but on average, a teenager hears one word of affirmation for every seven words of criticism. Think about that. Educators will tell you that you cannot over-affirm a middle schooler. That tells us something. It tells us that words matter. Words have power. And you felt that power in your own life. Which means that we as adults and we as parents, we need to be intentional in how we speak to our kids and how we speak around our kids. Because they're listening. They hear a lot more than you think they do. And they understand a lot more. And you want to believe, and one day you might not realize this, but one day your voice will likely become your child's inner monologue. We are, whether you, I mean, we are equipping our children with a vocabulary to make decisions in their life, hopefully wise ones. We are equipping our children with a vocabulary to understand themselves, to understand the world, to navigate issues in their life, and we are giving them words to understand faith and to understand God. You see, words, particularly over time, equal direction. Words supply direction to your child's life. Words, according to science, actually map the formation of our brains. Words give us moral and spiritual direction. And they literally help inform everything that we do. Furthermore, and just as important, we need to listen to the words our children say. Sometimes the most important words that we say as parents or as adults are the ones that we don't say at all. We need to create safe places in our homes, our churches, our schools, where where kids feel safe to open up and to express what's going on in their life and what's going on in their heart. Now, you may not know this, but God has given humans all kinds of spiritual gifts, The one he never gave us was the ability to read minds. And you might be able to read someone else's face. You might be able to read your child's face, particularly when they look happy or they look grumpy. But you will never know what's going on in your child's heart unless you ask them and you listen. So let's be intentional with the words that we say to them, the words that we say around them, and the ones that we don't say at all. I love this next one stories. Science will tell us that humans are wired to learn best through stories, not facts and data. But you know this because if, if, if you think back to when you were in high school or, or college and you had a midterm, you had a final, many of us would pull all nighters and cram okay? I distinctly remember freshman year of college pulling an all-nighter for econ, all right? And when I got there the next morning, exhausted, having jam-packed my brain all night long, I just, just barfed up all my information onto that page. And 30 minutes after the test, I forgot half of it. By the next day, it was though I had not even taken econ. And you know this to be the case in your own lives. But I bet If I asked any one of you to say, hey, uh, can you tell me the plot to Home Alone? You could. And you could give me, you know, lines from the movie. Because we love stories. We remember stories. We learn best from stories. That's why Jesus used stories. That's why he told parables. He would create fictional stories to download to us profound truths. Stories are important. They're important because stories allow us to experience a world. That is bigger than ourselves. Educators, educators will tell you that preschoolers, now if you're a preschooler room, listen up. Preschoolers whose parents or guardians read to them fictional stories have higher levels of empathy than those preschoolers whose parents or guardians did not read to them. Meaning they have a better ability to imagine what it would be like to be somebody else. They have a better ability to imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes or to see the world through someone else's eyes. Now imagine how different this world would be if we as adults had this same level of empathy. Now I actually think stories are the key to faith. I really do. Because stories help us to understand God. I don't think we realize how important Bible stories are for children, and I hate to even call them Bible stories because you hear that and you kind of think, well, they're, you know, make-believe, fairy tale. No, these are real. I mean, the reason you guys come here is to hear Bible stories that you can relate to real life. That's what it does for your children. Bible stories teach your children about real life. It teaches your children about who their Heavenly Father is, about what He's like about how he sees them and about how he loves them. Let me just give you an example as to how Bible uh, Bible stories work in the life of a child, particularly when it comes to understanding themselves and even their family situation. So if I were to ask you, knowing what you know about Bible stories, the Bible, if I were to ask you, who is the ideal family in Scripture? I mean, we all know that God has ideals in this world. So knowing that, when you look at Scripture, who is the ideal family in Scripture? The one that you would look at and go, that's the prototype. That's the model family. That's the one that's got it all together. That's the one that we want to emulate in our household. Who would you say? Some of you might go, well, I mean, what about Adam and Eve? It's where God started. It's the first couple. I mean, it's where God started it all. They are the prototype Okay, they lived in a gorgeous garden. There was organic foods. I mean, everybody was naked for a while. That's not necessarily a good thing for some of us. Okay? I mean, this is, this is the perfect couple. There was that one time that their one son killed the other son. I mean, that's a bit of an issue. Okay? We don't necessarily want that going on under our roof. So, you know, scratch down. What about Noah? Okay? Noah loved his family. Loved his family so much that he built a big boat to save them from a big storm. That's a family man. I mean, that's a dad. He's got his tools out. All I mean, that's the guy, right? There was that one time that he got a little too drunk and his son saw him naked. I mean, you don't bounce back from that. Okay, that's, Christmas is a little different when you've seen dad with no underpants on. Don't recommend that, okay? That, okay so you know what? Scratch Noah. How about Joseph? Hugely, hugely influential person. In, in the Bible, and in Jewish history. I mean, God used Joseph and his family, all those brothers, the dad, this gigantic family. God used this family to shift the course of human events in this world. This is the longest story in scripture. I mean, now that's a family. There was that one time, however, that his brothers sold him into slavery. Okay, that's not a good thing, generally speaking. So, okay, forget it. One last one. Scratch them. Mary and Joseph, right? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Now we're talking, okay? This is the couple that, I mean, God was looking down at this world, and he goes, that's them, those two. They're the ones, that's the couple. I want, I want the Messiah to go into their house. I mean, we preach sermons about these people. I feel like I do the same one every year. Okay, we sing songs about these people. This is the couple. There was that one time that Mary and Joseph went on a trip and forgot to take Jesus. And they didn't realize for three days. Okay, he is literally the original Kevin McAllister. <laughs> Why do I tell you all this? Because when you start to read the Bible, you start to feel better about your own family. And the reason your children need to be reading these stories, and there are kids' Bibles, by the way, the reason your kids need to be reading these stories is because they start to recognize that God doesn't use perfect people and perfect pictures. He uses imperfect and broken people, imperfect and broken families to show this world how perfect he is. That's why I just firmly believe that stories told over time give kids perspective so that when your kid messes up, and folks, they will, and when your kid fails, and hopefully they don't, but if it happens, when they realize that their life isn't perfect, when they realize that mom and dad and family, it's not perfect, they're not going to run from God. They're going to run to God because they've been taught that no matter what happens, God doesn't give up on them because they've heard all of these stories, they realize that God, no matter what's happening in their life, is writing a bigger story of redemption. When you tell your kids stories about God, it does something to their soul. And the next thing that you want to do with your kids over time is you want to challenge them to serve. Scripture says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you know what that means? That means that we were literally created to serve God and to serve other people. And with that in mind, we here at DHC, we firmly believe that what you do affects what you believe. Now, before we started this church six years ago, Adam and I, Christina, the the folks who helped launch this church, we saw a very concerning trend amongst high schoolers in churches. We saw that when they would graduate high school, they would leave the church. And I mean the church. That's sort of called the slow fade now, where they begin to sort of fade off and fade away from Christianity. And there's all kinds of theories as to why this slow fade happens. But in our opinion, and as we experienced it, It was that these kids got to see church, but they never got to be the church. They never got to see in their own lives what it would look like for God to use them within the walls of the local church. That's why we don't offer high school church here, middle school church here. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. We just don't do it. Because here at DHC, we want to make sure that the kids that are at least under our roofs don't become spectator Christians who get trained to come to church listen to a sermon, and leave, having done nothing with their faith. And any youth pastor who's honest will tell you that, yeah, your kid will grow up and grow out of kids programming. It's going to happen. But they will never grow out of what God did through them as they served him and others in the local church. Because, look, because of that, that's why here at DHC, after middle school, We put your kids to work. I mean, they're out making license plates out back, okay? They're good. Um, But you can tell a kid that they're significant. I mean, all day long, you can tell a child they are significant in the eyes of God, but they will never feel significant unless you give them something significant to do. Now, you might not know this, but the person who makes all this happen, he's 13. His name's Brady. Here's his picture, right? He's dying when like, I put this up here right now. Okay, imagine being 13 years old. And now they're talking about, you know what? Why don't you come up here? I'm gonna have you sing a song for everybody. Um, let's, you know, let's do the birthday song. Is there anything worse? Just, it's like, what do you do? Oh, thank you for singing Happy Okay, Brady rides his bike to church every Sunday at 7:30 a.m. to serve you and to serve God. Okay, yeah, you could give it up for. Him. I mean. He works hard in school. He's got, I don't know, an ungodly amount of baseball games, it seems like he plays. I don't know what time he goes to bed on Saturday, but he's here at 7, half awake, but he's here at 7.30 in the morning serving you. And as far as I'm concerned, this is just me, I think he's got one of the most significant roles in this church. Because if this goes down, we're toast, okay? This, This is it. Brady is a classic example. Of the DHC model at work. Because he started over at DHC Kids, just like many of your children are there right now. And when he got out of fifth grade, he transitioned out and he became the church. He started off as a greeter, now he transitioned into a production team. You see, when you encourage your child to serve over time, it gives them a sense of significance it allows them to do the very thing that they were created to do serve god and serve others and they will know in their heart what it means to be the church not just go to church now this next one hugely important some pro- you know some churches have a problem with this next one they don't think this next one belongs within the walls of the church we just very much disagree with that. We think this is one of the most important things that you can do. And I'll say this, if you want your home, if you want your family, and if you want your church to be attractive and approachable for kids and teenagers, there's one thing that you definitely need to do, and that's have fun. Now, you might not think this is that important, but this is hugely important because when you have fun over time, it gives kids a sense of connection. Scripture says, the joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if that's true, how strong is your home? I mean, could you ever imagine that you could measure the strength of your family by the laughter had within those walls? Now, some of us as adults are wired to sort of fix our kids, not really enjoy our kids. But what would it look like for you to just take a step back, relax, and enjoy the show? I mean, what would it look like to let a two-year-old just be a two-year-old? Eleven-year-old, just be an 11-year-old. I mean, what a gift from God it is to be able to vicariously relive your life through that child. Fun to something else. Fun authenticates forgiveness. So there are two characteristics that every home needs if you want kids to run to it and not from it when they've gotten in trouble. That's joy, having fun, and forgiveness. So let me ask you this, adults. Can you have fun with someone who hasn't forgiven you? No. Can you have fun with someone that you haven't forgiven? So maybe, maybe if you've recently had some disciplinary actions in your home, maybe if there's some brokenness in that relationship, maybe maybe the one thing you need to reconnect that which has been disconnected is you got to start having some fun. Because here's the truth. Sometimes, sometimes kids don't think we love them because we act like we don't like them. And I get it. Work's hard, especially in the last year. Life's hard. Especially in the last year, you're tired. We all are. But when you choose to have fun with your child, when you choose to play with your child, you are fighting for the integrity of that relationship. When you make fun a priority, even when there's been a disciplinary situation, even when there's some brokenness, it does something to your child's soul. It lets them know that they matter to you and you want a relationship with them. So here's your practical for the day. After church today, go schedule some fun. Go to lunch, movie, beach, bike ride, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Just don't have an agenda because they'll see right through it. Just go and have fun with your kids. It could be the one thing to dis- that would reconnect that which has been disconnected in your house. Now, one last thing and then we're done. Over time, we want to plug our kids into tribes. So what is it, what's a tribe? A tribe is a group of people who work together to accomplish the same goal. And we just believe that tribes over time equal belonging. And we all want to belong, don't we adults? I mean, we all want to fit in. We all want to be accepted. And your kids, especially if you have children that are moving into middle school or high school, they want to belong and they want to be accepted more than anything else. Parents of teenagers, I can tell you three things about your teenagers that you may or may not know. First thing is this, your teenagers, they care more about what their friends think than you think. You probably knew that. Here's something else. They care more about what other adults think than you think. You probably knew that too. What you might not know is that they care more about what you think than anything else. John, you just contradicted yourself. I know, but they're teenagers, okay? New parents all the time come to us over there in the kids area, and they go, look, you have a lot of interactions with families here. You go on counseling appointments. You've just seen things that work, seen things that doesn't work. Is there one thing that, that, that we could do that will really have an impact in in our kid's life. And without fail, we always say, yeah, there is. You need to widen the circle of influence. Meaning, you as parents need to intentionally and strategically be putting another adult into the life of your child, someone who will say the same thing as you. Now, kids naturally will seek the approval of other adults, they will naturally seek the advice of other adults, and now you intentionally have put another adult into their life. Do you ever notice? Do you ever notice that um, you could tell your kids something like you've got a real pearl of wisdom, and it goes right over their head? They don't listen. But when somebody else says it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the, this is we got gold here. And you're like, oh come on, I've been saying this for a month to you. That's natural. Don't resist that. In fact, lean into it. Manipulate that. Make that happen on purpose. Now, this might make you a little bit nervous to sort of the idea of kind of putting another adult in your kid's life because you're like, what if, what if my kid spills the family beans? What if, like, what, what if my kid says something that makes me look bad? Guess what? They probably will. Right? But here's the thing your image is not as important as your kid's future. It's just not. My wife's a teacher. All of her friends are teachers. Let me just tell you something. They've heard it all. And there's, there are no family secrets. There are no family secrets in that classroom. No family secrets. There's often at conferences, there's often at parent-teacher conferences where they'll say, hey guys, look, listen. Let's, let's make a deal. I won't believe half of what your kids tell me about you if you don't believe half of what your kids tell you about me. Deal? Deal. Okay, fine. Look, well, here's what we know. Parenting is hard. Being a single parent, that's even harder. But DHC exists so that you don't have to do this alone. That's why what we've done here is we've created tribes right over there in DHC Kids. So your son or your daughter has a consistent adult, a small group leader, a consistent adult in their life other than you. Someone that your kid can look up to, can learn from, and who will say the same thing that you say. This jar, this jar represents the influence that you have in your child's life. It is a visual representation of the phases of life that they go through. Now, when your kid is born, you measure their life in weeks. And your child, when they're one week old, can only be one week old once. And that time's gone. I mean, you can only know a child once at any particular stage in life. And when that moment has passed, that phase is gone forever. And in the rush of life, as adults, we're tempted to say, ah, it's just a phase, just a phase, just a phase. But what this jar does is it helps you to slow down and to realize that, yeah, it's just a phase. So don't miss it. Let's be intentional about the things that we're already doing so that when your little baby grows up and leaves home, they'll be the best possible versions of themselves. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could come here today. Lord, I'm so excited for what we're about to do. I I I just pray Lord that your spirit would be all over this place in the next moments, Lord, as we dedicate these children to you. Lord, everyone in this room has been a kid. We might have children of our own But as adults, we have influence in the life of some child. And I pray today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help us do what we're already doing with more intentionality. That we could begin to bring love into a child's life in a way that perhaps they have never known before. Thank you, God, for the gift of children. Be with us now as we dedicate these little ones He asks this in Jesus' name.